Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam, tune in. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest, Sarah Kenny, is a certified coach mentor and positive role model for adolescent girls. She believes empowering girls with confidence and courage will change the world for the better. And it's her personal mission to help girls thrive in adolescence and transform into powerful leaders while also supporting parents in raising rad, resilient, audacious, daring girls. Sarah, who lives in Austin, Texas, has her master's degree in gender studies, two professional coaching certifications, and is an active member of the International Coaching Federation. In her free time, she loves reading, yoga, taking long walks while listening to podcasts, cooking, trying new restaurants, traveling, and watching comedies and British dramas with a strong female lead. This is the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Welcome, Sarah Kenny, to the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, it's great. It's great to have you here. Right. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey and why you then decided to choose to coach and mentor adolescent girls because they're not exactly easy, <laughs> right? They're teenagers, right? Well, yes, I chose a very, a very tricky, tricky demographic. Um, so yeah, so I think you know, um, kind of, we'll make a long story a short story, but um, yeah. So I am Sarah Kenny, certified teen life coach, and. Um, I think part of the reason I have decided to work and coach teen girls for a variety of reasons, but one is definitely because of the kind of the personal path and the personal journey that I've been on. Um, I basically kind of looking back at my childhood and adolescence was someone who struggled with, um, and of course, right at the time, didn't have the language for it. Now I can look back and be like, oh, those were all of the different things that were happening. But um, so much performance anxiety around, you know, school and sports and wanting to be perfect and wanting to, you know, fit in a certain way and look a certain way and get into the best colleges and, you know, be the best athlete and struggled with just, um, crippling levels of anxiety, um, you know, perfectionism for sure, uh, disordered eating that had a lot to do with kind of trying to fit into this very particular mold, um, ended up having kind of going through a lot of what I can look back now and see as really unhealthy relationships that I was in, you know, friendships that weren't serving me, uh, you know, dating and, you know, dating men that those relationships were not healthy and, um, really just kind of struggling a lot with, with what I can see now as, as not having a super strong sense of self and really feeling like I was going through life just trying to make other people happy and to please other people. Meanwhile, I'm suffering from crippling levels of anxiety, insomnia, you know, all these sorts of kind of like what I would say now mental health issues and not really kind of connecting the dots that so much of that had to do with the fact that I was spending all of my energy kind of projecting this outer appearance or this outer facade and I was miserable on the inside and were you doing a lot of comparing yourself to people as well because I know I I know there's a lot of I did it myself as a teenager as well right you just go oh you know I'm am I 
am I fatter than that person? Am I thinner oh, than that person? It, you know, am I taller? Do my boobs look bigger than? <laughs> do I? You know, all this, to, all image. Like, I went to college before social media existed, right? So you you think of what's happening now with I'm really old, so there weren't even internet, right? <laughs> so don't even go there. So Facebook literally came out after I had graduated, so like you yeah. know, it's it's it is like. But so, okay, fast forward, um, finally, by like my middle of 20s, I feel like I am just like burning the candle at both ends. I am so burnt out on kind of the work path that I had been on. And needless to say, you know, I started going to therapy that ended up being just enormous, like just a game changer in terms of actually starting to understand kind of like, oh, these are all the things that I'm struggling with. Um, Did that for quite a few years. And then, you know, fast forward again. And I really reached kind of a breaking point. I had just turned 30. I was super burnout. I was definitely part of um, kind of the political rat race. I was working in Washington, D.C. for about a decade, which was intense for all of its other reasons. It can be Um, crazy enjoyable, but, like, it's burnout. I loved my jobs, right? I did several different jobs, all with similar roles, right? I love my jobs, but... But I love them with such an intensity that I, like, 24-7 was, yeah, and, like, work hard, party hard, and all of that. It's not very good for your health. Yep, work hard, play hard. I mean, it's basically DC's motto, right? It's like, and, but I kind of just got to this point where I was so exhausted. I was so unhappy. I was so kind of lost in terms of, like, who am I? What do I want to be doing? Like, even, like... I loved my job, but I also knew it wasn't the lifestyle. Like that lifestyle was just not sustainable for me. And so kind of just took a major risk. I moved to Austin, Texas, like literally quit my job, moved here, no friends, no family, no, like no work was just like, I am ripping the rug out from under me at 30 and like gonna figure it out. I basically was like, I have to get out of DC to figure this out for myself. And ended up working with a coach because I was just like, who am I? What am I doing? Like, where do I go from here? Discovered coaching immediately was like, oh my gosh, like this, this is it. This is what I want to be doing. So ended up going back, getting my coaching certification. And that process for me in terms of what I learned through coaching, like so much of the um, just like consciousness raising, having much stronger understandings of, you know, how my brain works, how we set goals, how we like understanding what our blocks are, why we self-sabotage, right? like, all of those things that get in the way of us having the life that we want. And I come out of that program feeling like I had just gone through this like major metamorphosis and I'm like, why is no one working with kids on this stuff? Why is no one teaching teen girls this stuff? And not to say that I regret my 20s and my teens. Like, I am where I am today because of that. But I know for a fact, if I'd had those tools at 18 instead of 35, like, how different that that journey would have looked for me, at least in terms of the what I like to say, like the headache and the heartache of just like making really bad the choices. Thing is I look back at those years, right? And like, and I'm a lot older than you, right? But I look at and I made decisions. I sort of hit that epiphany phase in my 40s where I was like, is this really what I want for like the rest of my life? You know? And so it's yeah. a little bit like I took time off work and stuff like that. I took, what, six months off work, started a business, which was like a silly idea. But anyway, but I think that was me going around that. I was like, I can't I can't not do anything. It's one of my failings is the fact that I can't sit there and do nothing, right? So I've got to do something. Um, mm. But, yeah, no, it's that, thank God you found it in your 30s because, like, I was 10 years later. Yeah. And when I look, and I agree with you, when I look back on that, I go, what was I so messed up about? Like, why was I so obsessed with X, Y, and Z, right? Um, get a grip, lady, <laughs> you know. It's like, and I'm so much, yes, I'm a single parent. Yes, it is hard. Yes, you're dealing with a whole lot of different challenges, but I'm so much happier now because, you know, I'm 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 not in a relationship. I'm not in one of these toxic relationships. I'm like, 
just trying to move mm. forward with myself mm-hmm. and do what I want to do, which is great because I'm just focusing on me. But yeah, and these, yeah, I feel yeah. like going. Sometimes I feel like picking up these teenage kids and going, "Hey, dude, do you know what? You've got so much ahead of you, right? Do not focus on this one little mistake or this one thing." just embrace it learn from it and move on right move on because it ain't gonna matter in three years time six months time two months time right yeah right well and that's what's so fascinating about the teenage brain is actually their perception of like obviously the longer (laughs) it's like the longer that you're alive you have your understanding of how long a, a month is or a year is is like nothing but for like 14 year olds it's literally like a 14th of their life and so it's actually really hard for them to conceptualize that that means nothing, right? Or not that it means nothing, but that it's the pers- they just the perspective isn't there. Well, and also, right, as I'm like in my 50s, early 50s, right? Because I've only just touched them, I have to say, right? Everyone knows that. <laughs> this. But anyway, um, because it sounds so bad when I say in my 50s. But also the clock is ticking, right? We don't live forever. I mean, hopefully. I'll live till my 90s, right, or whatever, right? (laughs) But, you know, we just don't know. None of us know, right? And I think the realisation of how I've lived 50 years, right, it's highly unlikely I'm going to live another 50, right? Let's face it, right, for whatever reason. And you sort of start sitting there and going, well, hang on a minute, don't waste any time, right? Move everything away. And I tell the girls this all the time. I tell girls this all the time. I'm like, look, I'm like, this is so much easier for me to say to you now, whether you believe it or not. But I guarantee you, like, the freedom that comes with getting closer to 40. And you're like, pardon my friend, just like your give a shit meter. Just, I'm just like, you like, I don't care what people think. I actually, I legitimately, I'm like, you cannot hurt my feelings. That's fine say whatever you want, right? Like, and I have done so much work to get there, but I do think there is something magical about just like, especially for women as they age that I'm like, you just care less about what other people think. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. And I'm like, trust me, I'm like, you will get there. (laughs) Well, everything's falling south. Everything's falling south, right? And like, I do feel sad for some celebrities, uh, and, you know, um, oh, Elvis Presley's daughter, uh, Lisa Marie, right? It's like apparently dieting before, like crazy, crazy dieting, having cosmetic surgery and all of these things. I sort of sit there mm. and I go, I wonder if she wasn't so much in the public eye, whether she would have done all of these things mm. and whether it would have actually impacted her health like it would have done. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Same with our... Um, our cricketer, um, the late great um, Shane Warne, right? He was extreme dieting and he's male, right? So we think this all affects women, right? But he's male. He was dieting. He was, you know, mm-hmm. he felt great, right? Died of a heart attack, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe he, at his age, putting his body under the stress, you know, you just don't know, right? And we don't know what goes on in these people's lives and in their minds. But, yeah, do you know what? don't give a shit me it should be going right right up but and and so yeah i in a way i wish that these people weren't in the public eye although they wouldn't have the money that they've got but you know to then they might be with us but sorry we went down a rabbit hole there let's go back to dean's no and actually what i as you were saying that what i was just thinking is you know the way that social media right is affecting kids and teens is whether you're a celebrity or not, everybody's in the public. Yeah. Right? Like you, even if you're not famous, you are still putting yourself on display to be judged and commented on and like validated externally through all of these false metrics. Um, it doesn't matter if you're famous, right? Like girls are still experiencing excruciating and boys too, right? Body image stuff. Like, I mean, yeah. It is men and women, boys and girls. I mean, it affects all of us. Um, but it is just you take social media and you add that to the mix of like feeling bad about yourself and then it being like publicly on display. Is well, just- and also people who are sitting in their little rooms, in their little dark rooms, who see a picture of you decide, oh, well, I don't like the clothes that you're wearing or the hair or your attitude or whatever. But they don't actually know you. They're just seeing an image of you um, that you wish to portray out there or a picture. It's just a picture that you've taken that's a bit 
I don't know, weird or whatever. Uh, not through any fault of yours, but you may not have seen something on the screen. It's sort of what I'm saying, right? Um, and decide that, that oh, you know, they're just going to slate you um, by putting a horrible comment on that picture or whatever. And you just go, mm. you don't yeah. know that person. Like, if you can't say it to their face, don't say it on social media and don't say it. Don't put it out there. It's negative vibes, right? It's horrible, nasty, negative vibes from you and horrible, nasty, negative vibes to that person. I don't understand what any person gets from putting out negative vibes. Just don't make the comment. Shut up, people. But anyway, so look, you stated that you are an intersexual, intersectional not intersexual. I'm not sure what that is. I might have just made up a new LBGT, BBGT, whatever it is now, because there's so many letters been added to it now I get lost. Sorry, it's my age. Uh-huh. Feminist, right? So that's what you say you are, right? So yeah. Is so that? that basically means um, that you are looking at all of the different ways so parts of your identity that overlap and intersect right so if you literally think of like intersecting identities um that attribute to your human experience right and so for many people right so that is race ethnicity class right class is a big one gender sexuality religion right like all of the the different parts of your identity that overlap and intersect inner intersect that i know you planted that and (laughs) you planted it um but especially when it comes to looking at how those things attribute to discrimination oppression right so my experience as a very privileged like middle class white straight female is very different from a black lesbian who is in a lower socioeconomic class right like we are having very even though we're both women we're having very different experiences and so even now in this day and age as well right i mean it's insane that this is the case, but yeah. yeah. And so just so, so in terms of kind of the feminist space, intersectionality means, so, you know, this partially was developed, in, you know, I think in the 1980s is when the coin was termed, but um, so they said the, the term was coined. It's like, that didn't sound right. The term was coined. Um, but essentially because like for, for the, like the majority of the history of feminism was it was largely a movement for very privileged white women. And many, many women's experiences were left out of that. And so now, especially today, at least for me, for me to be able to call myself a feminist, I very much consider like intersectionality is a huge part of looking at, yeah, the various ways that people experience oppression and how that affects like their lived daily experience. And what does feminism mean to you, right? What is feminism, right? Because... I have my own view. And I would love to hear it. Necessarily. Well, okay. So, okay. So my view is, right, I do sit there and I love the fact that people have fought for us to vote, um, fought for various different things, you know, female rights for various different things, right? Those things I love. However, (laughs) I do sit here as a 50-year-old woman and go, Yeah, but I don't know whether it has any clout in this day and age. And I wonder if as women, we need to, instead of fighting the system, men, et cetera, because I think we have confused men a lot with our feminism, um, that we actually have to try and help them. And I think there's a lot of male bashing goes on. And I, I come from a male industry, right? So this is maybe my take on it. Well, you're in in radio, right? Oh, well, yes, but also my day job, I'm in IT, right? So it's mostly men. Okay. Right? So okay. in my day job, it's mostly men, right? Oh, for sure. So yeah, I've actually yeah. dealt with sexism. I'm sure I'll be encountering ageism as well soon. But sexism, definitely, where people have not spoken... <laughs> they've asked a question, I've answered it, they've ignored my answer, and they've basically asked the question again. To me, is rude. It's ignoring me as a person. Um, 
And the person was male who then answered the question because there was only another male in the room and they answered it exactly the same way I did. So that to me is just going, yeah, you don't can or whatever. And there's no empathy mm -hmm. there. It's yeah. It was just very wrong. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. So what's feminism to you? I'm not necessarily, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm thinking going with our boards and picketing at certain places worked in the past. I'm not sure that sort of stuff works now. Maybe we need to rethink how we're getting our message across. It hasn't worked for, it hasn't worked for climate change. We go there, we stand outside places and we go, we don't want climate. We need to rethink how we're approaching mm. and communicating our message is basically, I think what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, the way I would define it is literally like the social, political and economic, economic equality of the sexes. And to me, like that is just like, should be a given. I'm like, I don't, that to me is a non-negotiable. I'm like, that is, should be our God-given human right. Um, what I do think is fascinating is where I think we are, we're in a very strange place. I think just obviously politically everywhere. I, I mean, it is just like, it is so loaded in every, I mean, in every single sphere that it's, um, to your point, it's like, it feels like nothing is working and yet we're all just screaming at each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whether that's we are like online oh, comments or <laughs> you know, it, we are like all like married divorcing couples where we go, no, we want this, and everyone's going, or, or they're just going who, to whomever we're communicating to, they're going la 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 and ignoring us. Yeah. And that I think, yeah. And so what I think is where where I think kind of the only path that we have is so to me, it's like, yes, sexism is alive and well, the patriarchy alive oh, and so well. Is. Oh my God. As is like, yeah, classism, ageism, racism. Ageism, you know. ageism is massive here. And I'm only realizing it as I get to a certain age. But I have male colleagues who are getting bypassed because of their age, mm -hmm. right? For jobs mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Or, and look, I know that nobody's going to say it's because you're old, right? But yeah, it's just very evident. Yeah. And I think where we, the biggest gap that we have right now, and I, you know, there's a lot of kind of coaches that I'm following and, and thought leaders that are like starting to kind of pick up on this and talk about it a lot is just that, you know, men are not benefiting from the patriarchy either right toxic like toxic masculinity the fact that men also have to fit this very narrowly defined version of what it means to be a man and what it means to be macho and what it means to be a breadwinner and the provider and all of these things and boys are also suffering extreme levels of depression anxiety self-harm body image issues like the system isn't working for them either. Right. And so I think part of this discussion is like, none of us are benefit. The only people who are benefiting from the patriarchy are like the very privileged few at the top who are still maintaining control. But men who are buying into that system and keeping that system going are also like being destroyed by it. And so, well, I have to, I have to say, I've been offered jobs because I tick the female box. Mm. So people have gone, oh, these guys need to get their levels of like, like either immigrant or uh, levels of sex or whatever up in the company. So you fit all of the criteria, tick, 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 we'll put you forward for the interview. And men, uh, and so, so I don't think we're winning on many like levels with all of this. You should be put forward to an interview and accepted, you know, and I know – you know, I know there are certain ratios that they are trying to help, you know, women and men, but like that doesn't help pay equality. In fact, I'm looking like more of the favorable candidate because they go, oh, well, you're female, so we can pay you less, mm -hmm. which actually is not right. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, I think we just went down a feminist rabbit hole there. But yeah, no, look, I agree with you, but I want to get on talking more about our adolescent girls and what you actually, um, what you do for them because you actually help girls, you coach girls mm -hmm. to actually turn into 
impactful leaders is one of the words I think you've yeah. used um, in the fact that you want them to have more confidence, more self-esteem, more. So, so why, why should we want, it's a no brainer with me, but why should we want our girls to be more confident, have more self-esteem, try and for want of a better word, fight the systems that we have in place to then become impactful leaders. And we are getting there. We have a lot more female CEOs mm -hmm. that are out there in the world. Um, but how, why should we, yeah. why should we want them to do yeah. that? Well, and I think um, I really like to think of this from like a, a two prong, a two prong approach. So there's like at an individual basis, like so many girls are suffering. I mean, suffering from mm. all the things that I mentioned that I've gone through earlier, anxiety, depression, body image issues, low self-esteem. It's not a fun way to live. No. It's miserable. Oh no, Honestly, God. when yeah. you are never feeling like you're enough, when you're constantly putting other people's needs before your own, when you feel like all you're doing is to like make everything perfect, but you, you are screaming on the inside. So at like an individual level, I don't want girls to feel that. I know what it feels like. It's terrible. And I, I just like at an individual level with the girls that I work with, I'm like, I want to, I want for you to be able to go through life with less suffering and pain that I have. Like that's, that's just at a personal level, really important to me. But then if you think of like what that is doing, so the stats around, um, particularly with people pleasing perfectionism and body image stuff, right? It's like, you know, nine out of 10 girls want to change something about the way that they look, right? And then you fast forward to women and 90% of women diet to, to like to have their, you know, ideal body shape, right? It does not go away. 90%, right? Um, there is a fascinating statistic from a book um, called Enough As She Is that, um, girls with the highest GPAs are the least likely to share their opinions because they're so worried about not being liked. So it tends to be that the, that the quote unquote smarter that girls are is actually like they are the least likely to actually share their opinions. Which is who we need out there sharing their opinions because you're smart and like. And it's like intelligence aside, that's not even the point to me, but it's also just like, if you think about what that's doing to like the brain drain of like when you act from like from a leadership perspective. Um, and so anyway, all that to say is when I, so at a personal level, just wanting girls to have more fun teenage years, better teenage years. But as we think about how that affects them as they turn into adults, right? So let's say you're a teenage girl you are filled with self-loathing. You do not like who you are. You're afraid to share your opinion because you don't like who you are and you don't think anyone's going to like you anyway and you don't want and to be judged, cares? right? Like, like, and who, who cares? cares? I'm not on Insta so with like a million, new, million followers, so who cares about me? So afraid of sharing their opinions and, and um, being really true to themselves, right? Putting, you know, just this desperate desire to people, please. I mean, the amount of girls that I work with who will not even set any boundaries when it comes to really unhealthy friendships, when they're being treated really terribly, whether that's by a boyfriend, whether that's by a best friend, because they're so afraid of hurting other people's feelings and ruffling feathers. And all right. And then you, so like, you don't have a strong sense of self. You don't know how to self-advocate. You don't know how to set boundaries. You don't know how to communicate your needs. You have really low self-esteem. What does that end up, what ends up happening, right? They get into their first jobs. They take jobs that they don't really like. Then they don't negotiate their pay. And then they deal with toxic work environments. And then they spend 10 years in an industry that they are like miserable and burnout. And no joke, you get women who then are in their 30s and 40s. They pull their head out of the sand. And they're like, this isn't even the sandbox I want to be in, right? They're in really toxic, really unhealthy, miserable relationships they are burnout in their careers. And, you know, I do a lot of executive coaching as well. And the women who I coach in their, you know, 40s and 50s, they're dealing with the same stuff. No boundaries, people pleasing, right? And, and it's like, we have got to be nipping this in the bud 
when girls are, you know, 16, 17, 20, 23, like it does, not only does it not go away, it gets worse. Right. And so you look at the confidence gap, the pay gap. I think it needs to be taught at school. And it's not. We need to start teaching this at school. Yes, maths and English and all of those things are important, right? That's important. Learning a language is important. Doing physical. I'm, I, they're trying to change school hours over here in Australia. Really? Usually school hours are from nine till half past three, right? Okay. Which is fine, which is okay. But I'm a single parent, right? I know I'm being very selfish here at the moment, right? But I know a lot of other couple. I know a lot of parents who are couples, right? Who both work, right? Yeah. Because that's the day and age that we live in, right? Our houses are valued at a million odd dollars. We don't get paid a million dollars each year. So, you know, we're both working to try and get us the things that we need to get, yeah. right? For our kids, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the least convenient times for you to be doing school drop-offs. Yeah. You're like, perfect. Right when well, I, need nine to I should be at work, right? right. I mean, thank God for working at home. I have to say, yeah. I mean, you know, COVID-19 was a nasty virus, right? And wasn't very good for a lot of people in this world. I got it. There's loads of, I think everybody, I don't know how many people in this world have actually had it. But anyway, there's a lot. Um, but it did mean we all worked from home and everyone got a grip and actually decided that, oh, actually, the people who do work for my company are adults and, you know, maybe could manage their time at home maybe and be more productive not be sat in a car for two hours yep. or whatever traveling to work but anyway digressing um the thing is basically um we have to work and they're changing the hours over here but they're moving them earlier so they're going well you can do school drop off at like eight o'clock in the morning so it gives you that hour to get to work but then we're going to get your kids to finish school earlier and i'm like no 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 I don't mind doing the nine till five. Why doesn't my kid do a nine to five? Or at least in the high schools, <laughs> at least in the high schools, right? Go and do a nine to five because guess what? When you leave high school, college, university or whatever, and be thankful that university is so relaxed and you could go to lectures or you do your lectures online or whatever because when you get into the real world, you will be doing nine to five, nine to six, nine to 11 o'clock at night or whatever right mm. so i'm just going why aren't we teaching these guys at school how to present yeah i don't know like and teach them from a young age right yeah. and i don't know if we are doing that my son is only seven he's only in grade two so he's only been going to school three years so i haven't got a clue and why don't we teach them how to deal with bullies I mean, are- how to deal with situation set boundaries do all of these things that we don't and i know and i should say right as a parent i am teaching my son these things Mm -hmm. but it would help if parents and schools work together and it's not about well it's the parents job to do that it's the school's Mm -hmm. job to do that it's our Mm -hmm. job to bring up whole human beings so that when we spit them out into the world with their qualifications etc that they can communicate they can deal with awkward situations and awkward conflict they're not people that yeah oh my god <laughs> how to deal with conflict <laughs> i mean even at my age there are times where i do sit there and i go i'm not gonna give feedback or i'm not gonna ask that question because and sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's a good thing because sometimes being the last person to speak means that you've heard everyone else's you know issues or questions or whatever and maybe somebody else asked the question you were going to ask anyway um so it's all good but yeah so wow okay and i will say you know in the us um and it depends on your school system and it depends on kind of they they are getting better about and you know it might have a different terminology in in Australia but here it's called um they're like SEL programs so social and emotional learning um so a lot of school systems are starting to have SEL programming meaning like emotional like reg- regulation mindfulness um it is like some schools have it some schools don't right so it's it, it it but i would say we're we're moving in the right direction but it is still grossly lacking from just basic to your point how to be a better human being we don't focus on any of the emotional components for children in a way that um no one taught me right like i had to learn all this stuff on my own through therapy and coaching and books and podcasts and all of the self help yeah right? me too <laughs> 
<laughs> like no one no. talked no, I agree. I agree. And it's just, yeah. yeah. At least more than when I was, when I could. Okay. So that. what do we need to do to, or focus on to basically um, help our girls and boys, but girls, uh, teenage girls be more confident and courageous and, and, you know, go out there and kick ass basically for want of a better word. So I would say, so building, we have to think about building uh, building confidence, like building a muscle. It is literally like any other muscle in our body that needs to be exercised and worked. So what ends up happening, so I would say there's there's a few things that go into this. Growth mindset is huge. So this means that regardless of the outcome, we are focused on what we are learning through the process. So it doesn't mean that like, you know, we're aiming for perfection in every category, but we are learning along the way. And you know what we end up learning a lot from? It's failure. <laughs> mistakes are our friend, right? Mistakes are our friend. From our mistakes, we learn from failure. But so many girls, so what ends up happening, they get really stuck in this cycle of they don't think they're good at something or they worry that they're not going to be good at it right away. So then they don't take any action and they avoid doing it. And then because they avoid doing it, they never actually build the skills and the muscles they need that actually builds their confidence. So they literally get stuck in a trap of inaction. Wow. But action is the only thing that builds confidence. Right. And so... So they're listening to their reptilian brain that's going, correct. I'm going to keep you safe here correct. and sane. You're not going to do that because you'll probably be rubbish at it. But we don't know if they're going to be rubbish at it. Yep. But you'll probably be rubbish at it. So you're not going to do it. So, what, so we really, as parents, need to encourage our kids to move out of their comfort zone, basically. Yes. Take risk. I say, I always say start safe and start small, right? Like we're not going to like just go do something that feels wildly uncomfortable and dangerous, but like, let's say your daughter is really shy um, and she's has a really hard time maybe like interacting with strangers. So what do we do in that scenario? We have her start ordering her own food at a restaurant. Okay. Right. Something really small, like, or if she, if your family is ordering takeout, she makes the phone call. She makes the phone call. Right. And for some girls, that is like excruciating. I mean, you, it's like, oh my God. Right. It's like, don't put, but even little stuff like that where it's like, okay, this is just like, we're just ordering dinner. Like, not a big deal. Right. We're not trying out for a play. We're like all the way building up to, right. Maybe that's trying out for a play, trying out for a team, asking somebody out, asking someone to a dance, right? Like those things are super, super scary. But if we are not taking any action at all, we're never actually developing the skills we need to feel confident in ourselves. So this can vary depending on age, depending on personality, right? Some girls may have no problem at all with something like trying out for the school play. That might be like a death sentence for your daughter. <laughs> so like, we want that to was, start with that. Like, was me. I was like, right, let's do this. We're yeah. going to go in, singing, dancing, all that work. But yeah, but I agree. But if she like is some really kids. really in her comfort zone or even he, she, whatever, you know, wherever your kid is, age, gender, doesn't matter. Like it's really getting them out of their comfort zone in small, like baby steps kind of ways. I, th I tell them like, it is literally like a ladder, like we're building up to here, but you just, every time it's like adding a rung and we're just building and building and building. So inaction is the worst thing we can be doing when it comes to trying to build confidence. We want to be doing exactly yeah. the opposite. So no helicopter parenting no. because that is the worst. Our kids have got to learn how to do stuff by themselves. And I am telling you, it may feel really safe right now. You are setting your kid up for massive amounts of failure because they will not know how to be an independent adult. It is better that they fail in the safety of your home than when they go off to college and they're living alone. And right, like it feels like, and there is... um. 
oh, there's the most brilliant book in the world. I cannot believe I'm blanking on her name. It's a three. Um, but anyway, it's it's about helicopter parenting and it's um, Julia something, something. I'm blanking It'll on her name. To you. Um, I think it's basically called How to Raise an Independent Adult, but it is just like, uh, it is a Bible about like getting away from helicopter parenting and I cannot recommend it enough um because yeah it's it, like and i i have to say like even and i'm doing it now with my seven-year-old right like he leaves his dish out he basically he gets undressed but leaves his jammies in the lounge right and all of these things i'm going oh my god what am i creating here like this man or this boy is going to grow into a man who's just gonna so i'm <laughs> i'm whinging we've set up targets and all of this stuff but i'm going i am not producing a child who just leaves his clothes everywhere or does mm -hmm. it like there mm -hmm. are places for these clothes so hopefully i'm training him that like i'm tr doing the training now that his wife yeah. partner whoever <laughs> let's face yeah. it he's seven yeah. right so i don't know whether he's gay straight or whatever right but whomever he is gonna live with is at least gonna not have to do quite as much training but yeah no that's fair enough okay yeah. cool so but okay but then so they're little things, right? But then you start getting to the bigger things, right? So the things like I'm going to go to the shopping center or stuff like that. I mean, how do you how do you let go of them and trust that they're not going to make stupid decisions, right? How do you how do you ensure that these guys are confident, aren't just people pleasing and um you know that that they're so doing the right the thing right? for themselves right. setting those boundaries okay so setting those boundaries so being making healthy choices and decisions mm. and not unhealthy ones by not associated so wanting to be with the in crowd that maybe isn't doing the right thing or whatever getting in that we have it a lot here in australia getting in that car yep. with the group yep. of people who have been taking drugs or drinking or whatever and actually going no i'm not going to do that because you've been drinking and whatever and so how do you build that and to mm. me, that's mm. the confidence and courage that I want to instill yep. in my son to go, no, guess what, guys? That's that's a really stupid idea. And it's a stupid idea for you to do it as well. And hey, I've been there and done stupid things. So, you know, it does take a lot of courage to do that. How do you how do you trust that they're the, all the things you've done with them, you're gonna so I would say gonna do that. And this is so hard, right? This is so hard. Well, I know. And what tools do you give them so to I go, nah, two, sorry, so there's not doing it? Because that's a confidence and 100%. a courage thing. And I think, so there's like, there, there's, it's okay, there's a few things going on here. So the one is, no, no, this is perfect. The, the one yeah, is kids can't express their needs and stand up for themselves if they don't have any self-trust, right? So here's a perfect example. It's really important that, and I'm going to say, I'm just going to use girls in this scenario, but it's really important that girls, here's the deal. All of us have intuition. It's built into us, right? Our, it is part of our gut, like the third brain. It exists in all of us. It is also like honing a skill to learn how to listen to that. So a lot of people have intuition, but they just blatantly ignore it or they just don't even pick up on it or they don't even like they don't even read the signals that that's what their body is trying to tell them. So part of it is just like, how do you develop intuition, which is like there is some super fun and cool stuff that you can be doing there. But here's where this gets tricky. Girls may very well be like, ooh, like I should not get in that car. Like they know it, like they feel it, that compass is there, but they are so afraid of being as weird lame prudish you know like oh you're so stuck up like you know what are you a goody two shoes right like all of those things that they're afraid of that they ignore that and they do the dumb thing which is to get in the car that they know they shouldn't be getting into right so it's like first of all we need to help them figure out how do i learn how to how do i learn how to listen to myself that starts with being able to feel our feelings and being bored and i will tell you this when we are 
constantly numbing with Instagram, TikTok, Netflix, Amazon, you know, drinking, drugs, you name it. We're never feeling things and we never have the opportunity to listen to ourselves. So one of the main things that I do with girls is help them learn how to feel their feelings, right? Can they identify, am I feeling overwhelmed? Am I feeling tired? Am I feeling right? Like you hear annoyed, annoyed is their favorite word. And it's like, okay, you're annoyed. And what else is going on there? Right? Are you actually irritable? Are you actually hungry? Are you actually? (laughs) So there's the like, how do we listen to this? Like, what is this actually trying to tell us? And then how do we have the courage to actually express that when it matters most? So again, when it comes to parenting, you want to create the safest environment possible for your kid to use that voice at home, right? Give your kid the opportunity to set boundaries, to express themselves in a place that feels unconditionally accepting, like unconditional love. So here's a perfect example. I have a lot of parents who are, let's say you identify as extroverted. And your daughter or your son is really introverted. And of course, right, teens can be really tricky. They get really thorny. They get really prickly. Like they want time alone. It's perfectly natural and normal that they want to be alone in the room by themselves. Like that's just part of kind of like the teenage phase, right? And if you're introverted, you are like desperately seeking quiet alone time after you get home from school. And I will have parents who interpret that as their kid is being really rude. My kid doesn't want to engage with me. My kid doesn't want, you know, my kid doesn't want to come down for dinner. And it's like, okay, they're like, but let's say you've identified that your child actually is really introverted and just needs some quiet alone time. Part of those boundaries being respected is to have a system with your kid where where they come home, you say, we don't need to talk. I'm not going to bother you. You've got 30 minutes before like we're having family dinner time. Right. And for them to be able to say, hey, I just need some quiet time or I just need some alone time. So that's a perfect example of like, if you're not even giving your kid the space to do that at home, they are definitely not going to be able to do it with peers. So that is like helping them identify their needs. And right. And so there are a lot of tools that people can be using, like whether that's family meetings or having like, you know, we we know that um, part of our agreement is we have family dinner on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. But Tuesdays, if you want to just like do your homework at your desk with your dinner, that's okay, right? Like, what is the what is the negotiation? We'll go out with but, your mates or whatever. Um, so yeah. to go back to kind of your original question, which is like, they need to learn what they're feeling. They need to be able to tap into that, and then they need to be able to express themselves. And part of that comes with being able to practice that with a safe parent at home. And then underneath all of that is having a system in place where they know they have a safe out regardless, right? So let's say, so here's a perfect example with girls. Let's say girls go to a party. They immediately go downstairs and they're like, whoa, there's like all these sketchy dudes here. They're a lot older. They're drinking. Like my friend just said, like, we're having a sleepover. I wasn't expecting this. Like, how do I get out of this? Have a code word, right? Have her call. So so here's an example I give girls. Tell them like they set it up with their mom in advance, but their thing is they text their mom, I left my curling iron on. Mom calls them, goes ballistic, right? I'm using air quotes here. Mom's like, how could you? You're so irresponsible. That's it. I'm coming to get you, right? Always use like the parent as like, oh, like she's so mad at me. Get the yeah, heck out the of excuse. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so having those systems in place, whether that means you can call me at two o'clock in the morning, no questions asked. Like we will table discussions about drinking for a later date. But if the night that you need to call me and get home, I want you home safe. Right. Yeah. And so they may not in the moment be able to say, like, hey, I actually really don't want to get in this car with you. But they may be able to say, you know what? I'm actually just gonna my, my mom's gonna come get me, like you guys can go. And that's that is also them using their brain and their judgment, yeah. right? Well, do you know what, Sarah? Like, 
I so got to get you back again because there's so much more that I need yeah. to ask. Yeah, I'm like, you oh, we can do this all day. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, no. I know, I know. And like, it, well, it seems like I've known you years and I've talked to you twice. But like, um, no, it's cool. I'd love to get you back because I think there's so much. I mean, like, I want to delve into social media. I want to do oh delve into so many other things. How, how yeah. we, you know, what suffocating teenagers and all of this other stuff right but i'm really conscious that you have to go as well so look where can people finally where can people find you online if they need to know more like i do because i know we've gone down yeah. a few rabbit holes um where can <laughs> they find you and then we'll get you back on we'll get you back on and we'll, we'll delve into so much more Okay, amazing. So they can find me on my website, which is sarahkennycoaching.com. I'm also active on social media. So follow me on Instagram, um, sarahkennycoaching.com or sarahkennycoaching is the handle. Um, and then I would also say when you go to my website, sign up for my newsletter. I do a bi-monthly newsletter that has parenting tips, guidance for raising girls. Um, so either social media and my newsletter are the best places to stay in touch. Cool. Brilliant. And look, we'll get you back. Watch this piece, everyone, because there's so much more I want to talk about with adolescent girls. And maybe we yeah. didn't really talk about that at the beginning, but that's cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we go down these rabbit holes. You know, that is the caveat on this podcast is sometimes we go down a rabbit hole, then we pop up the other side, talk about some other stuff and get to the point of we need to get to. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the pod podcast. It's been a real pleasure having you on. We'll get you back. No worries. Um, thank you. Sarah. Have a great evening. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy your day. I know I'm going tonight. You're starting your day. It's, it's brilliant. It's Friday. <laughs> you can't get, well, yeah. you can't get much better. It's Friday for, you. It's Friday oh for me, gosh. right? So it's Thursday night Amazing. for you, but Friday for me. And the only better day is Saturday, really. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, hey ho. It's all good. Well, have a beautiful start to your weekend. Okay. Thank no you. worries. And we'll catch up later. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, I'm Fiona Lee Maynard and you're listening to Radio Carum, which is what I do whenever I'm anywhere near Seaford Carum High School and Eel Race Road. If you're down Carum Way, just call Mitchell Tall. Or in Patterson Lakes, just call Mitchell Tall. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tall. Buy a summer house, just call Mitchell Tall. Mitchell Tall. Real estate. Oh, yeah, real little real estate. estate. We want more. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. One take.